Hello, and welcome to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. My name is James Early. Thanks so much for joining me today. Each week, we take a fresh look at the Bible and dig down beneath the surface of things to the deep spiritual lessons of God's love for each one of us and how to live that love in our daily lives. The goal is to get back to the original Christianity of Jesus with his focus on healing and salvation and his message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's jump right in. Hey there, everyone, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode number two, and the topic for today is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I hope you've already listened to the introduction podcast, episode number one, getting back to the original Christianity of Jesus. It's just to give you an idea of some of the kinds of things I'm going to talk about on this podcast and the focus that I'm going to bring to things And I'll tell you a little bit about myself and where I'm coming from, just so you know um, what to expect. Who is this James Early guy anyway? As I said, today's topic is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is really going to be the keynote and main focus of this podcast because most of everything I'm going to say is going to come back to these words that Jesus said at the very beginning of his ministry, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, if you've been reading the Bible for a while and you've been to church or Bible studies, you've probably heard this phrase a lot. We love to say that. You hear people say the kingdom of God is within you. Well, these phrases trip off our tongues and they're meaningful to us, but I think it's hard for us to really understand what an incredible, startling statement that was when Jesus made that. His listeners did not feel like the kingdom of heaven was at hand. The Jewish people were living under the occupation of the Roman army. They felt oppressed. They didn't feel free to practice their religion the way they totally wanted to because the Romans were there. They had to pay taxes to the Romans. The last thing they probably felt was that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. They felt if it existed at all, it was way off in the future. They were hoping for a Messiah to come and save them from the Romans, kick the Romans out so that they could have their own country and be completely in charge like they remembered of the days of King David and that sort of thing. So for Jesus to start his ministry and say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's like startling news. I mean, think if somebody walked into your church or your Bible study and said, hey, everyone, I've got really fabulous news. It's just incredible. And then he said, the kingdom of heaven, it's not way off in the future. You don't have to die to get there. It's right here. It's right now. It's inside of us. It's within us. It's within our reach and our capabilities. We we have the ability to, to understand it and grasp it and experience it right now. Well, you might be inspired or you might think, hey, this guy is kind of, you know, out to lunch because obviously we're suffering here. We got all these problems. It doesn't look like the kingdom of heaven to me. Well, Jesus made a very important declaration when he said that. And again, I'm going to say he started his ministry with this statement that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he made an interesting comment, though, too. He said, in order to see it or experience it, In order to believe this good news, 
the word for that in Greek is gospel. So we talk about the gospel. That word gospel simply means the good news. What was the good news was that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, not way off in the future. Anyway, Jesus comes and says, I've got this great news, this wonderful good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but you won't be able to see it, experience it, even believe it's there unless you repent. Now, we usually think of the word repent means uh, we get on our knees and we say how sorry we are to God for the things we've done wrong and we confess our sins and we tell somebody about them. And it's all this, this sense of admitting and acknowledging and confessing what we've done wrong. And that's an important part of it. But in order to do that, we have to get at the real meaning of the word repent. And it's simply in, in the original Greek in the New Testament. The word repent means to think again, to rethink, to think from a new perspective, to get a whole new view on things, to turn away from what the material world and a selfish perspective is telling us, a me-first attitude, a man-based perspective, to a God-based perspective, a spiritual perspective, a perspective of what's true in the kingdom of heaven. And if we look at things from that perspective, we see things very differently. And that's the only way we can see that the kingdom of heaven is actually at hand. If you look at things from the perspective of what's going on in the world right now with all the, oh gosh, all the problems we've got, you can make a list millions of miles long. It sure doesn't look like the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it didn't look that way to the Jews of Jesus' day either. As I said, they they felt oppressed by the Romans. But Jesus was inviting them to come with him and look at things from a different perspective, that the kingdom of heaven actually is at hand. He never said, you have to die first to get there. In fact, there's so many examples of when he was talking to people, it was almost always in the present tense. Um, Think, for example, of when Mary and Martha asked Jesus to come because their brother Lazarus was sick. Well, by the time Jesus got there, Lazarus was already dead and buried. Both Mary and Martha came up to him with tears and said, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And Martha goes on to say, well, but I still believe in you, Jesus. I still believe. And he says, your brother shall rise again. And she says, oh, I know he'll rise again on the last day. In other words, way out in the future. And Jesus rebuked that future tense sense of salvation. He said, I am the resurrection and the life, not will be. I'm not. He didn't say I will be in the future, although he will be in the future, but it's not just in the future. I am the resurrection and the life right now. He put this eternal life in the present tense. It's not some future reward. He does this so often. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes a really important comment. He's talking about everyday life with people, and he talks about you have you have needs. You have you you don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. God was is going to take care of you. And then he makes a really important point: seek first the kingdom of heaven, and then everything you need is going to fall in place. Everything God knows what you need; He's going to take care of that. But you put God first. Look for the kingdom of heaven. You know, do we do that in our daily lives? Do we go out in our day looking for evidence of the kingdom of heaven? 
sometimes just the way the grass is growing or the daffodils are blooming or the, the wind is blowing in the leaves of the trees. You feel God's presence and you feel his harmony and you feel his control, watching the stars at night, watching the moon. All these things are just tiny little hints of God's supreme control of things. And so we need to seek the kingdom of heaven. We need to look for it. We need to actively look out from that perspective that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus said, if you seek it, you'll find it. It, It's not some way off in the future thing again. He's always expecting us to find it right now. I said this a little bit already. Now, traditional Orthodox theology teaches that the kingdom of heaven is off in the future. It may be there somewhere, but it's not there for you yet. You have to die first And then, if you're a Christian, you will go to heaven. It's all off in the future. Jesus rebukes that. We saw that with uh, Lazarus. There's another example that really brings us out beautifully. There's a time when um, some people bring a man to Jesus who can't walk. He's a paralytic. He's on a cot. There's no way to get into the crowd of the house where Jesus is. And so they, they, they climb up on the roof, they take off the tiles, and they let this guy down with ropes into the presence of Jesus because they have such faith that Jesus will heal him. Well, Jesus says to him, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. It's interesting here that Jesus just didn't say, oh, well, pick up your bed and walk, because he did that sometimes to people. Get up, you're fine. Jesus was dealing with something else. I think he was perceiving spiritually that there was more to be healed here than just a crippled body. There was also a crippled soul. This man may have felt the burden of sin, either since he had committed and had not really repented of, or maybe he had repented, but he still felt in bondage. He still felt guilty. And that's what some Orthodox theologies still teaches. You are this miserable sinner. They burden us with these heavy burdens of sin. And Jesus said, no, your sins are forgiven. He, he could read in this man's mind that he had repented. He wouldn't have said that if the man was still sinning in his heart. So I think Jesus saw the transformation that this man was having and it had already in his heart. And he said, your sins are forgiven. Well, the Pharisees complained about that, but um, that's kind of another story anyway. Then he heals the man. Jesus is saying here, this is what it says to me. Jesus is saying to this man, you don't have to wait until you die and then are freed from this crippling situation, both the, the guilt of the sin and the, and the crippling condition you have in your body. You don't have to wait for forgiveness of sins until I die on the cross. God's kingdom is at hand right now. And in the kingdom of heaven, you are pure and holy. And the man was healed. Now, that's a bit of a different perspective than what most people are saying today. But think about it. In the kingdom of heaven, there is no sin. There is no sickness. There is no death. There's no pain. There are no sorrow. There are no tears anymore. These things lose their power over us when we realize that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I think it's also important to say that, you know, we can't just humanly intellectualize this idea. We can't study hard and pontificate about it. We can't see it with our eyes. We can't hear it with our ears. Even the human heart 
it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, even the human heart can't conceive of all that God has to give to us. Why? Because it's a revelation. It's the Spirit of God that reveals these things to us. Here's another example. You probably remember the story of Jairus. And he's this Jewish ruler in the temple, and his little girl, who's 12 years old, is dying. And he goes to Jesus, probably as a last resort, and asks him to come and heal his daughter. And Jesus says, sure, I'll come. Just as they're about to leave, he gets word from a messenger from the house that, oh, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter's dead. Jesus says, oh, not a problem. Just have faith and let's go. So off they go. They get to the house. There are all these mourners weeping and wailing. Now, to all reasonable people, the little girl was dead, okay? That's what the outward appearance of things was, that this little girl was dead. Jesus said just the opposite. He said, oh, she's not dead. She's just asleep. How could he say that? He wasn't looking at the outward appearance of things. He wasn't believing everything his material eyeballs told him. He did not trust the five material senses to reveal truth to him. He always asked God. He looked at things from the perspective of what's true in the kingdom of heaven. So he said, she's not dead. She's just asleep. Well, they thought he was crazy. They laughed him to scorn. He goes in the house, just takes Peter and James and John and the mother and the father, goes into her room and reaches out his hand and says, little girl, get up. Talitha kumai. That means little girl, get up. He talks to her like she can hear him. And she comes back to life and he says, oh, give her something to eat. He's taking care of all her normal human needs here. Why could Jesus say that this little girl was not dead, but she was only asleep because he knew that in the kingdom of heaven, there is no death. He was looking at her from the perspective of what's true in the kingdom of heaven. You know, at Halloween time, when you have trick-or-treaters come to the door in various costumes, maybe they're a witch, maybe they're Superman or Batman. One year I made a pyramid costume for my little girl and a pharaoh costume for my son. Nobody believed that there was a real pyramid or a pharaoh walking around, but they played the game says, wow, you're a great pyramid or wow, you must be a mighty pharaoh. But they knew there was a kid behind that costume. It's as if Jesus could see that this picture of a dead 12-year-old girl or the picture of a lame man or any of the other people Jesus healed He could see that was just a costume, a disguise that Satan had put over them and had fooled everybody. But Jesus knew that everything Satan does or says is a lie. So Jesus could see right through that costume. He knew that wasn't true about that person in the kingdom of heaven. Those kinds of things could not exist in the kingdom of heaven. And because he could see that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, those things cease to have any legitimacy of existence. How is this possible? Well, let's imagine you're in a dark room and everybody's sitting there and the room is dark. One per- And it doesn't matter how long that room has been dark. All that has to happen is one person either can get up or a new person comes in the room, whatever. All it takes is for one person to flip the light switch on and the light comes on and the light shines not just on the person who flipped the switch, but on everyone that's in the room. So when Jesus walked into a situation and turned on the light switch, 
You don't see my little air quotes there, but when he turned on the light switch of what's true in the kingdom of heaven, everybody then saw closer to what was true in the kingdom of heaven. So from one perspective, from the earth perspective, from the perspective of the outward appearances of what the five material senses tell us, that person was healed. That man was healed. The little girl was raised from the dead. From a more spiritual heaven is at hand based perspective, all that really happened was that people could see what was already true spiritually. Jesus said at one point that his purpose for being on earth was to bear witness to the truth. And that's what he was really doing. When he was turning on that light switch, he was bearing witness to the truth that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So when Jesus saw a blind man or a dead girl or a lame man, he bore witness to the truth of what was true about them in the kingdom of heaven right in that moment. And that brought healing. So this whole concept that the kingdom of heaven is at hand is really the keynote and foundation and focus of Jesus' ministry. These ideas have helped me so many times when I've been sick or I've had a challenge. When I've caught a glimpse of what is really true in the kingdom of heaven right now, sometimes I have been instantly healed. It may be a little thing, or uh, God will give me an answer right away to the problem I have the, that, that can fix the, the, the situation. So, And the more I realize that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and that I can begin to glimpse that when I repent, when I change my perspective and quit looking at it from the perspective of the problem and instead look at it from the perspective of what's true in the kingdom of heaven, there's always an answer that comes. I could talk for hours about this, but I've kind of given you just a taste of it. So now I'd like you to take this idea and use it in your own life. Just put aside what anybody else has ever said, and just listen to what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. No buts. Don't add, well, but, well, that doesn't make sense. Just take that idea, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and ask God to show you what the natural consequence of that truth is. So now it's your turn. I'd like you to think about something in your own life, you know, a problem you're having or a challenge you're facing, maybe Maybe, there's, uh, maybe you're sick or there's some disease or someone you know is suffering with a problem. Maybe your boss doesn't appreciate you. Maybe you've just had a big argument with your spouse or who knows. We all have things we're dealing with. I certainly do. Just take one of those situations. I'm sure you've already been praying about it, but think about it now. Just take Jesus' words to heart. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look at things from the perspective of what is true in the kingdom of heaven right now, which Jesus says is at hand, look at things from that perspective. Look through that lens at this situation. And you will see, just like Jesus did, that that's not really part of who you really are in God's eyes or the other person or or whatever the situation is. Because in the kingdom of heaven, Everything is harmonious. There is no pain. There is no sorrow. There is no tears. There's no death. None of that is going on. And we can bring that to bear on our present situation. Now, I'm not talking about things like this positive thinking where you just imagine what you want to be true and you'll manifest it. I don't think that is true spirituality in the way Jesus taught. Jesus didn't expect us to imagine what we wanted and then visualize it and manifest it, like so many people say today. 
He was saying, let God reveal to you what's already true in the kingdom of heaven. You're not trying to come up with your own idea. You're not trying to imagine your own kingdom of heaven. Who wants that? We want to see the kingdom of heaven that is true, is real right now, and it's much more glorious than anything we could concoct or imagine or dream up or intellectualize about. So ask God to reveal to you what's really true in the kingdom of heaven right now in relationships specifically to whatever this challenge is that that you're dealing with. And then when you've done that, take the next one. Look at yourself that way too. Look in the mirror of what's true in the kingdom of heaven right now at yourself. It's a wonderful exercise, and it, and it goes against almost everything we've been taught by, you know, psychiatry, uh, all the isms and ologies of the world, and a lot of theologies, too. It goes against so much of what we've been taught in, in church and out of it. Um, anyway, it's just a real blessing. I'm going to leave things right there. I hope you've found these ideas helpful. They have been so helpful to me over many years So, giving you a little homework here, I hope you'll accept this um, invitation to to look at things from a more spiritual, heaven-based perspective. Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate hearing from you. You can leave a comment on the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com slash podcast. Just look for episode number two. You can leave a comment there because I'd love to hear your thoughts. And and also, if you've found this helpful and how you've applied it in your own life. I'd love to hear that too, because the whole reason for this podcast is for all of us to learn more, not just about the Bible, but how to live it in our daily lives. So until next week, God bless you, and thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week. I'm James Early for the Bible Speaks to You podcast. See you next time.